Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to a special episode of the Today's Focus podcast series. It is Thursday, April the 27th, 2023. It is currently 4.45 p.m. Central Time. And well, you know where I'm coming to you live from, the Theology Central Studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. And typically for a Today's Focus, I say Today's Focus is... Well, right now, today's focus is if at first you don't succeed, you give up. No, no, you don't give up. You keep trying. So this is a part two because part one this morning didn't go so well. And just just to really mess with my mind, things are not going so well here because already we're having... You, you don't notice the technical issue, but I had audio that we were going to play queued up and it, well, it decided the software here decided, nope, we're not going to, we're not going to keep that paused. We're just going to restart it. We're just going to take it back to the beginning. So we will have to listen to some audio that we've already listened to, but let me explain what is going on. Today's focus is Christian nationalism. Chris Rosebro from Fighting for the Faith is going to do a six to seven part series on Christian nationalism. Now, that's not typically what Chris Rosebro and Fighting for the Faith typically addresses. He's usually addressing the theological issues happening in the church. But I agree that Christian nationalism is a theological heresy, a theological issue that has infiltrated the Christian church, and it must be exposed, it must be condemned, it must be driven out, and there can be no compromise with it, no toleration of it, there can be no playing nice with it. Christian nationalism is heretical, it it completely obliterates the gospel. It completely obliterates biblical Christianity. And it makes the, it makes Christian, it makes Christianity a political ideology. It makes it an, an ideology of trying to, in a sense, make a nation Christian through law, through policy, through political power and influence, instead of preaching the gospel. Now, they may say they preach the gospel, but it's really trying to demand Christianity be the law of the land instead of preaching the gospel to lost sinners. And when they are converted, baptizing them and then teaching them to obey all that God has commanded. I, I reject Christian nationalism outright. So when I saw that Chris Rosebro from Fighting for the Faith was addressing it, I'm like, I know what I'll do. I'll use the little small platform I have to point people to his content. But it was really confusing how to get to his content because here's what happens. Because he did an episode called Debunking White Christian Nationalism, Part 1. Now, you could typically find his programs on YouTube. But if you went to YouTube and you hit play, you would get about, I don't know, a minute and 37 seconds or two minutes of it. And he would say, hey, 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 we can't post this episode here because of basically YouTube's algorithm. I don't know if you realize this. If you, if, if YouTube decides because of their community standards that a certain ideology, a certain perspective is dangerous, it is misinformation, it is wrong. Even if you turn on your microphone to debunk that information, and you, in other words, you are agreeing with the community uh, standards of YouTube. They say this information is dangerous. They say it's false. And you're like, okay, I'm going to turn on my microphone. I'm going to tell everyone it's dangerous. I'm going to debunk it. I'm going to condemn it. It doesn't matter because if you even speak of it, YouTube community standards will say, well, sorry, you're, you're, you are talking about that. And then they will remove your content, give you a strike. And if, if you're not careful, you'll get banned from the entire platform. It's maddening because they'll say, you're, you're promoting this ideology. I'm like, no, listen to the program. I'm exposing and condemning it. Well, clearly YouTube does not want white Christian nationalism being put forth on their platform. And I don't blame them. Now, of course, I don't like censorship. Just note, I don't like censorship. But I can understand their platform. They built it. They can they can decide what they want on it or they can decide what they don't want on it. I understand that. Uh, 
So, but it was weird because you would go to YouTube and like, oh, Chris Rosebro, he's going to address, he's going to debunk white Christian nationalism. And, but then you listen to him and you're like, nope, you got to follow this link. This link took you to Rumble. Well, a lot of people either have never heard of Rumble, may not even be able to find it. And I'm like, well, I've got to, I've got to make this easier. So I'm live on the air in part one earlier this morning, if you heard it. And I thought, you know what I'll do? I know what I'll do. I will embed the Rumble video to theologycentral.net. I'll go to the blog section. I will just embed it. People can go to theologycentral.net and they can just watch it. But the embed code would not work. I could not get it to embed the video, no matter what I tried. And I'm live on the air trying to do this. So then I just create a post with a link to Rumble. But I, I still didn't like that because that would be like, well, okay, so you you listen to me to go here so that you can go. I'm like, that that just co- makes it all convoluted and complicated. So I've got good news, ladies and gentlemen. After a very long and frustrating day, I now have the latest episode of Fighting for the Faith by Chris Rosebro and his debunking of white Christian nationalism. It is now embedded at theologycentral.net. All you have to do is go to theologycentral.net, go to the blog section, and ladies and gentlemen, it's right there. Now, it's not video. It's not video, but it is audio, and it is embedded. I, I took it from the Podbean podcasting platform. They have an embed code, and I was like, thank you so very much. I embedded it. It's there. It's ready to go. On some of the podcasting platforms where I did find it, it's only the like one minute and 37 second announcement. <laughs> it's not the whole episode. I'm like, how can this be so convoluted? We've got it. I want people to get to this content. Look, I don't agree with Chris Rosebro and everything. He's Lutheran. Obviously, he believes in baptizing babies. And I obviously reject that. I used to be a Lutheran, left Lutheranism. But I respect his desire and willingness to point out and expose some of the fraudulent teachings and the bad theology in the evangelical church. And, I, and there, there's much I appreciate about, with what he has done. I'm, I am mo- I'm more than happy that he has decided to use his platform to expose and debunk Christian, white Christian nationalism, because I think white Christian nationalism is a cancer. It is a disease. And every Christian needs to know what it is. They need to be able to spot it. They need to understand the theology and the twisting of scripture that lies at the foundation of it so that the second that they hear it in their church, the second they witness it, they can run like crazy. They can flee it faster than trying to get out of Sodom and Gomorrah because Christian white, white Christian nationalism, it, it must be condemned. But I think too many people who sit in the pew, who tend to be somewhat political, who look at the culture and think, oh, look at how bad it is. The culture has lost its mind. The culture is, is, has become so ungodly. That when you, when you have a, a Christian sitting in the pew who's somewhat political, sees how bad culture has become, they are vulnerable. They are open to white Christian nationalism. And in many cases, they embrace the ideology without ever knowing what it, they don't even know that they've embraced it. And you'll listen to them talk for like five seconds and you're like, what has happened? You're like, what has happened to this person? I thought this person was theological. I thought this person was spiritual. I thought this person was biblically minded. And now they sound like, I don't know, that they get all of their marching orders from Fox News or some other political platform. They've got Christian nationalism mixed into all of that. They still say they believe in Jesus and believe the scripture. It's this weird hybrid. It's like a mutated cancer that is, that is spreading. It's like a mutated virus that, that we, we don't have a vaccine to stop. And the only way to, to, to try to stop its spread is to expose it. So every ministry out there speaking against white Christian nationalism, please go ahead. I typically, I don't even really, I, I, I don't really think of the racial part. I guess I've not ever given it much thought. I just look at Christian nationalism, but there, there is a racial element to some of this. And Chris Rosebro exposes that in the, in the episode that he posted today. So please, Go to theologycentral.net, go to the blog section, 
And there it is. Just hit play. That's the easiest way. And I'm going to embed every episode of it. Now, I'm not violating any copyright or anything because the embed code is available right there on Podbean. And so I'm, I'm, and so whenever it's played on theologycentral.net's blog, the, the stream download counts on the Podbean statistics. And so fighting for the faith, they'll know that they got that stream and that download. All right. So uh, we're not, we're not trying to take their content from them. In fact, I'm trying to promote their content. Go find fighting for the faith. Now, the problem is what is so frustrating about fighting for the faith is if you'll try to look up the podcast, the, I think the last episode, at least on one of the podcast feeds was like February, 2021. So that's a dead podcast feed. If you go to YouTube, well, that's great. But then you can't find this video on YouTube. You have to go to Rumble. But if you go to Rumble, you don't have all the content that's on YouTube. Like they've got to organize their content. Look, you should, you should be on every podcasting app on earth. And it should just, you should, you should have, if you want your video platforms, record the audio as well and just post it in a podcast feed. I don't know. That's updated this century. Okay. I, I, it's sometimes it's frustrating with, with, when dealing with ministries. It's like, look, all of the, your content, it, you can't always expect people to do 45 minutes of searching to find your content. You took, put the content where the people are. It should be on Pandora. It should be on Spotify. It should be on Deezer. It should be on Pocket Cast. It should be on every podcast, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, uh, Podbean. It should be everywhere. It should be easy to find, especially when you're dealing with a subject of this magnitude. Um, yeah, okay, good. Someone just said they agree. Fighting for the faith content is frustrating to find. Yeah, it's maddening because for me, look, I mean, look, I subscribe to a bazillion podcasts and that's not even hyperbole. You know what, where I want to find the podcast? I want to open up my podcast app, do refresh and go, here's the new content. I don't want to go, well, they haven't updated their feed in three years. Let me go find the website. Well, the website, in fact, even I think I went to the fighting for the faith website, clicked on podcast and the last episode was like 2021. I'm like, well, where's your content, Chris Rosebro? Come on. You're dealing with Christian nationalism. Let's get your content everywhere the people are. If you need help, hire me. I'll do it for you, okay? I'll, 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 I will work for you, okay? You can pay me, and then I can use money for my podcast. Okay, there you go. But uh, it, it's just, it's, sometimes it's just bizarre because I'm a nobody in the middle of nowhere, and I've got the staff of me, and our content is everywhere, okay? Our content is everywhere. It's like, it's not hard to find. Anybody can find it on any podcasting platform. So it's just frustrating. But I say all of that to say, hey, you can go, you can go listen to it right now. But I thought, hey, let's review a little bit of this. Now I had this queued up, but Spreaker Software decided, nope, I'm starting you over. You cannot hit pause on it. So I'm gonna crank up the volume. And we're going to listen to Chris Rosebro explain a little bit of this. But what's fascinating to me, all right, just, just listen to me. Chris Rosebro, in this first episode, I, w- I, was, I was just fascinated. I was like in the kitchen trying to make some food, listening to Chris Rosebro. And this is what I thought was fascinating. And I'm just going to ask you, did you know that one of the foundational teachings for Christian, white Christian nationalism has to do with the Tower of Babel and almost a misinterpretation of the Tower of Babel in order to prove certain things about race. I, I would have never known this was co- because again, I don't ever, when it comes to Christian nationalism, just so that you understand, I don't really focus on the race, racial aspect of it, right? I focus on the whole nationalism trying to accomplish something apart from the gospel, try just uh, the political hijacking. I've kind of looked at it from that perspective. I, I not thought of the racial component to this. So I was, I was fascinated by that, but you know what this shows me? This, and th- this is just going to lead me to a pit of despair, discouragement, and makes me want to drive to the liquor store this evening. And I know I shouldn't say that, but it's just true. Is it not horrifying? Is it not sad to you? That once again, scripture, the Bible, can be taken by anyone and interpreted 
any way they want. They want to turn the Tower of Babel into a story about race and, and, and how we should view race. They can. If they want to take, I mean, they can just do anything they want with Scripture. And so it doesn't matter. Like, it's just maddening that the, the, the Bible, God's inspired and errant word, can be taken by people who can turn it into a, a basically a, a racist manifesto. They can turn it into something to oppress people. They can turn it into something to try to take over governments and impose their religious morality upon other people. Like, there's just, it's just frightening. And it just once again tells me that sometimes it feels, well, I guess it tells me, at least in my mind, I'm not saying this is true. I'm just expressing my emotion that sometimes it just feels like, what's the point of even trying? What's the point? What's the point? I should just do whatever I want, believe whatever I want, because everyone else believes and does whatever they want. And everyone says that the scriptures justifies what they believe and what they do. Like it's sometimes it's like, what's the point of pursuing truth when everyone has their own truth and everyone thinks they're right and they condemn everyone else? Is there any way? And we saw this. In fact, this is just to me an extension of the frustration I got with, I dealt with with the Song of Solomon is, is you try to impose like, hey, here's some hermeneutical rules. And immediately it's like people, you can take your hermeneutical rules and you can go walk off a pier and drown because there's no way I'm going to interpret it my way. And it's like, well, wait, 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 wait. Don't, don't we have to have some kind of rule? Don't we have to have some kind of rule to govern something? Shouldn't there be some kind of, I mean, can, can Christians agree that there's got to be some kind of principles? We can talk about exegesis versus eisegesis, but who gets to tell, I mean, like, you know what I'm saying? I mean, just, there's got to be hermeneutical rules. There's got to be. But this Protestant mindset that just anyone can take the Bible and do whatever they want with it. And people say, no, that's not the correct way to look at it. You say it's not the correct way to look at it, but according to whom? So then, then do you give the authority to the church? Like, well, no, 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 no. The authority. And then people will say, well, you can only understand it if you read church history. Well, wait a minute. So do I agree with everything they said? In, well, no, you don't agree with everything in church history. You only agree with church history if they agree with the scripture. No, you mean I only agree with church history if it agrees with your interpretation of scripture. Because I may read something in church history and think they're right. You'll think they're. So it's just a subjective mess. And I just grow so tired of it. Because we're literally watching the American church. I'm telling you, not only has it been politicized, this Christian nationalism is, it's, I think it's everywhere. I, maybe, maybe I'm blowing it out, out of proportion. Maybe that's too much hyperbole. Just listen to Christians talk about anything going on in culture. And you'll just be like, oh, no, 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 no. You just want to run away. You just want to go... I wonder where the agnostics or atheists are meeting because maybe I can fit in there. Because you almost, if you even imp- almost imply something negative about Christian nationalism, it's almost like your faith gets called into question. But let's let's see how Chris Rosebro handled some of this. Again, I apologize that this has. I don't know why uh, Spreaker started this over, but we'll start it over and just see how Chris Rosebro did some of this. Some of this will be uh, the same audio that I played earlier this morning, but we'll get past it and we'll just kind of see how he begins to unfold it, almost to preview it, to try to motivate you to go listen to all of this. Here we go. Welcome to another installment of Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the channel that compares what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. And you're going to notice something, that this episode of Fighting for the Faith isn't over on YouTube. Uh, No, we had to post it somewhere else, and let me explain why. So YouTube uh, is notorious for the algorithm, right? That's how people discuss it. But YouTube utilizes uh, artificial intelligence to uh, kind of scour through the audio uh, and video of the, uh, the, uh, the 
the videos that get posted on YouTube to look specifically for uh, community guidelines, violations, and copyright strikes and things like this. And here's the issue, is that the artificial intelligence over at YouTube is not intelligent enough to make a distinction, and it's an important distinction, a distinction between criticizing um, ideologies that are contrary to their community guidelines or promoting ideologies that are contrary to the community guidelines. It doesn't matter if you're critiquing it or not. YouTube would see it as a violation of their community guidelines to post anything up that would quote ideologies that are contrary to their community guidelines. Therefore, we've had to, well, you know, uh, move this episode of Fighting for the Faith over to a different platform. So, uh, by the way, we, I, you know, I think we'll probably end up posting videos here as well. With the, the more, the merrier. But this isn't our this isn't our primary focus when we do our uh, when we do our videos. That being the case, you you got to understand we're doing this so that we do not risk losing our channel by playing the hateful ideology that we're about to play and critique here on this episode of Fighting for the Faith. So what are we going to be looking at today? We're going to be looking at, uh, if you were to think about the broad topic, uh, it's become a hot topic, uh, and the broad topic is white Christian nationalism. However, I'm going to be focusing in on a very specific branch of white Christian nationalism, and uh, I, I don't know what to call it. I, I would use the working title, the Mollerites, because uh, they're, one of their visible leaders, thought leaders, is a fellow by the name of Corey Mahler, and uh, he recently got uh, some... Uh, national media attention from a Rolling Stone magazine article written about him. And uh, and so what we're going to do is we're going to focus in on the Mollerites. Why? Because I'm a confessional Lutheran, and uh, Corey Mahler claims to be a confessional Lutheran also. Now, I do think it's awesome that he's going to review someone who's a Lutheran, because sometimes I, with Chris Rosebro, I get a little frustrated because he's always pointing out all the errors, all, all the rest of Christianity. I'm like, you may want to look in your back door because I was a Lutheran and that place was a mess. Okay, a massive. In fact, my Lutheran pastor was telling me how bad the Lutheran seminary was when he went to school there, which was, I don't even remember what year, because he was already older. Is that a, a politically correct way of saying it? He was older when he was my pastor and um, he was talking about how bad the Lutheran seminaries were. So, so um, you know, there's plenty in Lutheranism to critique. So I'm glad he's critiquing someone who claims to be a confessional Lutheran who's promoting a form of, of white Christian nationalism. Another very important distinction here is I think this is true in everything. There's always these branches, these different, like, there's this form of Christian nationalism or this form of Christian nationalism or there's this form of charismatic theology or there's this type of lordship theology, whatever the case may be. And I do understand the significance and importance of times of, of showing those distinctions, but I think sometimes we can get so focused on trying to draw the distinction that we forget just to get rid of the whole thing. Like, you know, you, there may be different distinctions, but the whole tree is corrupt. Like, it's like, I'm not going to go, look, here's that branch. Here's that branch. No, the whole tree needs to be cut down. Like with charismatic theology, I don't care about the different branches. The whole tree is corrupt. Lordship salvation. I don't care about all the different branches. Like sometimes I just want to go cut the tree down. So to me, Christian nationalism, I want the whole tree cut down. I want the tree burned. I want the ashes thrown into an ocean. And then I want a nuclear bomb to hit the ocean. Okay, I don't know how to get rid of it. Whatever you got to do, send it to the sun. I just want it gone. I just want it gone. So sometimes I'm not so big into the distinctions because I'm like, the whole tree is corrupt. Well, I'm going to climb the tree and go saw off this one branch. Ooh, look, look, we addressed this one branch. The whole tree is poisoned. The whole tree is sick, right? So, so that, that, that's, that's my, I'm glad he's at least ex explaining the distinction. Distinctions need to be made, especially in theological studies. They definitely need to be made. I'm acknowledging I'm sometimes poor at that. I'm just like, you make the distinctions. I'm chopping down the tree. All right. So, yeah, I'm not always good at that, but 
I'm glad he's making distinctions. Let's see what else Chris Roseborough had to say. Uh, but I'm going to note something here at the very beginning of this, is that this is a dangerous ideology that we're going to critique, and we're going to take it on biblically. Uh, if It would be one thing if this thing just remained a political ideology and people were trying to recruit people into believing this political ideology. The issue is, is that white Christian nationalism is an ideology, and I would note a satanic one, masquerading as true Christian piety. However, Oh, that's such a, now that's a good distinction. If it was just a political ideology, I don't care. I don't care what politicians are doing. I don't care. It's like the, so many, so many times my frustrations, maybe with Fox News or any of that. I don't care if people in the world watch Fox News and believe whatever. I'm always worried when an ideology, a philosophy, a perspective comes into Christianity and then we take our Christianity, take this ideology and merge it together into some mutated monster. Well, Christian nationalism is not only a dangerous ideology, it's a satanic ideology because of its infiltrating in Christianity and then claiming to be orthodox biblical Christianity. And then the average person sitting in the pew, all they hear is, yes, the culture is bad. Yes, we need to fix the culture. Oh, more Christians. Yeah, we should just try to pass Christian laws and make everyone a Christian. Who cares about their regeneration? Who cares about the gospel? Let's do it by electing who, whatever politician will do it our way. That's an issue. Let's listen to a little bit more of this. However, it is not true Christian piety, nor does a proper understanding of the scriptures at all. We'll demonstrate that throughout this episode. Instead, white Christian nationalism is to uh, true Christian piety as Dylan Mulvaney is to uh, true womanhood. It's masquerading. So we're going to take off the lipstick and mascara off of white Christian nationalism in the wig and expose it for what it is. It's not Christian piety. It's something completely different. And I will also note here at the, at the very beginning of this episode that I have no problem admitting that there are some very serious problems uh, that are going on in American politics. I, I, I don't uh, deny that that's the case. However, white Christian nationalism is not the solution for all of that is so true. White Christian nationalism tries to offer a solution that Christians think are Christian, but it's not Christian, it's not biblical, it's political, and it's dangerous. And I think white Christian nationalism, everyone always talks about persecution is coming, persecution is coming. You know what will lead to persecution? White Christian nationalism trying to impose Christianity upon people almost like some kind of Islamic Sharia law. And then no people are not going to know the dis distinction or difference because many Christians, we're, Christianity today is more identified with the Republicans or with Donald Trump than it is with Jesus and scripture and theology. We, Christians today are more known for their culture war stance. They're upset with Disney or whoever they're, they're, you know, shooting their Bud Light cans or whatever they're upset about with today. We're more known for our culture war outrage than we are our theological confessions, creeds, and scripture. It's attacks against the degeneracy that's taking place in America. White Christian nationalism is itself a form of degeneracy. And we know this historically also because we've seen the kind of fruit that this ideology bears. Uh, just look at what happened to uh, Germany with National Socialism, and you'll get what I'm talking about. So all of that being said, let me explain to you what we're going to do today. And it's going to be a long episode. And what we are going to cover is dark. And I, I mean like evil kind of dark. It might be tough for some of you to sit through this in one setting. That being the case, you need to understand the arguments of the white Christian nationalists so that you can marshal biblical texts against them. And you have to understand where they are coming from, because like all ideologies, there is a consistent logic to this thing that internally works within its own system, but it's not compatible with biblical Christianity because it's something very different. In fact, I liken uh, white Christian nationalists to flat earthers. Uh, and in fact, they argue very much the same way. And you'll note uh, if you've uh, ever seen the uh, the Netflix documentary uh, Behind the Curve, 
which is a documentary about flat earthers. That, it's a real scream of, of a documentary. And the reason why is because at several points in the movie, uh, two in, in particular, uh, the flat earthers engaged in scientific experiments, which ended up disproving the flat earth. But they had no way to process it because it didn't fit within their narrative. In fact, the reason why people are flat earthers is not because the evidence shows that the earth is flat. The reason why people are flat earthers is because of the conspiracy narrative uh, that it, that lives and exists around the flat earth concept. And so, you know, in that conspiracy narrative, NASA is the evil bad guy, right? And no evidence can ever defeat a flat earther. White Christian nationalists are the same way. Now, this is another part of, if you look at the things that have infiltrate, infiltrated the church, p- the politicizing of the church and the conspiratorial thinking, the political thinking, the political ideology and conspiratorial thinking has so infiltrated many Christians that it's insane to even talk to them. They're conspiratorial, they're political, and then you got nationalism, white nationalism, nationalism, whichever branch you want to look at, and you bring these things into the church, you got a biblical illiteracy, a theological illiteracy, a political, a politicizing of the church, a conspiratorial paranoia sweeping over the church, and then nationalism. Oh, I'm, I'm, I mean, at that point, it's over. That's like a deadly recipe, and you got to get out. You got to just run for your life. You, you, you got to run for your life. You can't, you can't, you got to get out. You got to get out. And some people say, well, I got to stay and fight it. No, church is not the place where you stand and fight. The church is where you come to be equipped where you come to minister, be ministered to, not a place where you're to engage in theological warfare. You just leave, just go. Like if you can't, if you don't like it, just move on just because there's no, I mean, there's no point. And, and, and when you, whenever you add politicized, a uh, politicized ideology, con- conspiratorial paranoia and nationalism, I'm talking, I'm ta- you're not going to be able to reason or rational, or be able to reason or rationalize with the person. Uh, everything is about the conspiracy narrative, and the conspiracy narrative will include the Jews and things like this. And they never let facts get in the way of their ideology because their ideology isn't based on facts. Their ideology is based upon conspiracy ideas and uh, and the demonizing of different groups and things like this and race baiting. That's a big part of what they do. So we're going to peel this back and we're going to offer a biblical critique to their ideas There is a lot of ground to cover. This is a long episode. I make no apologies for that. In fact, if you see cuts in the uh, in this episode, because it's because I ended up having to get up and go and get a drink or use the bathroom, because that's how long this is going to be. I find that funny because I think it's only like an hour and twenty seven minutes long. I've I've done uh, I've gone longer than that, and there's no cuts because I'm live on the air. So. For me, there's no commercial break. There, I just go for an hour, two hours. And now sometimes by the time a, a broadcast is over and I stand up, I'm like, whoa, man, I am wiped out. That's like a marathon to just sit in one chair in front of a microphone for an hour and 30, hour and 45 minutes, or even just an hour straight with no break. That, that can, that can, that can wipe you out. But all right, but I'm glad he can do cuts and breaks and just. You're kind of weak there, Chris. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. All right, here we go. So let me tell you where we're going to start. We're, in fact, hang on a second here. I got something in my eye. There we go. Today we are going to start uh, with uh, with four episodes of the uh, Stone Choir podcast, which is put out by Corey Mahler and a fellow who goes by the moniker of Woe. Don't know who Woe is, but. Now, Stone Choir podcast, never heard of it, never listened to it. And from what I've heard of this episode today, I don't know if I ever want to go find it. Okay, but if it's out, if you hear any of your friends talking about the Stone Choir podcast and they claim to be Christian, well, you know, lock the door and move. Okay, all right. I'm I'm joking. But yeah, you maybe want to be very, very worried. 
but uh, you know, Woe does not want to, his identity broadcast, otherwise he would broadcast it. Mahler doesn't have a problem with letting people know who he is. So we're going to listen to the two of them, and we're going to look at four of their episodes uh, as it relates to, uh, well, actually three episodes really regarding race, and one in particular about Christian nationalism. And uh, so there's different sound bites that we're going to be listening to along the way, and the goal in listening to these is to understand how their ideology works, why they think the way they think. There are certain premises in their in their argumentation that once the the premise is granted, then the conclusions follow logically. However, the premises are the faulty bits, and so their conclusions are necessarily faulty and errant as well. So we're going to start by uh, listening to uh, Woe and Mahler uh, hate hate on, and that's a good way to put it, this concept. When Have you ever heard anyone say something to the effect of, well, there's one race, the human race, right? Well, in their way of thinking, this is where everything goes off the rails. <laughs> this is an anathema statement, okay? You cannot say this and still be a Christian, at least the way they argue. So let's listen as they explain to us from uh, their foundation episode regarding race, and uh, and let's see if we can make heads or tails of what they're saying, and we'll, we'll peel things back along the way. So here we go again. Um, this is going to be some dark stuff. So with that out of the way, we're going to begin with, as I mentioned, the, the first fundamental misconception that is widely applied among Christians, and that is that there is one race, the human race. And so the argument that we often hear from Christians when it comes to race, as stated, is one race, the human race. And the underlying argument for that is that because we are all ultimately descended from Adam, we are all of the race of Adam. The problem with that statement is that it is both true and false. Okay. Now, so they're taking issue with the idea. There's one race, the human race, and they recognize the statement is both true and false. And so that being the case, one of the things I've noted about these guys is that they are masters of equivocation. They, when somebody makes a statement and they're using it in a way that's true, they don't acknowledge that that particular sense is true. <laughs> so, you know, so they recognize that people are equivocating, but these guys equivocate like nobody's business. All right, we, we continue. It is true because to speak of men as the race of Adam is accurate. Correct. But to then conclude from that that all men are of the same race is to equivocate with regard to the term race. Now, you're going to hear them explaining this, the way they define race. Now, this, this to me, I, when I was hearing this today, I was just like, I just had to stop and go, okay, so within the world of Christianity, now we don't even agree that we're all of the same race. <laughs> And that Christians make a mistake by saying we're all of one race to human race. That is now wrong. That is not because the Bible teaches something other than that truth. Once again, it just shows you the Bible, the Bible, the Bible, the Bible. Everyone says the Bible's the authority. Everyone quotes it. Everyone says it's right. And then we get into now here's these claiming to be Christian, claiming Christians get it wrong because it's not just one race. I mean, they're, I mean, it's true, but it's not true. So where are they going to take this? Has to do with a, a basic view that human beings have subspecies. Uh, and so they, they, they liken humanity to like dogs. So let, let me explain. So dogs, you know, you have every one of every dog can actually breed with each other. Okay, that's because they're all part of the same species, which is the canine species. But within uh, within the dogs, there within dogs there are breeds. You have you know Chihuahuas and German Shepherds and Malamutes and things like this. And so what they're basically what they basically when they talk about race, they are talking about something akin to dog breeds that uh, that the people who are descendants of uh, ancestors from Africa. They are similar to a dog breed. So they'll say that that's a race as well. 
Now, I, I'm not going to argue with their definitions at this point, but you just need to understand that when they hear the word one race, the human race, they see it, they hear it as an exclusion of the idea that there are different races, and by races, it's akin to breeds of humans. So you have the Asian race, you have the African race, you have European races, uh, you know, then you have you know, a, you know, Arab and things like this. There, there's different breeds of humanity. So th- on the one hand, they recognize that there is a right way to say that and a wrong way to say that. They always, they always assume that when somebody says there's one race, the human race, that they are using it incorrectly, as if to say to obliterate that there are somehow distinctives or differences between different ethnicities. That's how they always hear it. So keep that in mind. Race can refer to various levels in the hierarchy in the ancestry of a particular life form. And so, for instance, a good example would be you can speak of the race of dogs, usually for dogs instead, but it's the same thing, same concept here. If you speak of the breed of golden retriever, you are speaking of something more specific than just dog. They're all dogs. So a golden retriever, a Pomeranian, a Rottweiler, these are all dogs. But they are different breeds of dog. The same for humans. You can speak of the race of Adam, human beings, as being one species, because we are, in fact, one species. By any reasonable definition of that term, all of humanity, one species, the race of Adam. But we have, over time, according to God's good ordering of creation... Now, note, he said, according to God's good ordering of creation... Here's where we have to note something here. They believe that these subspecies of humans, and not subspecies, sub-races of, you know, of humans, you know, are technically like subspecies, that God, that these are sacrosanct, that these were created by God and cannot in any way be tampered with. You'll see that as we go along. But we have over time, according to God's good ordering of creation become separate races distinct from each other because as we moved we adapted to the areas where we started to live god designed it that way it's very clear he gave us the order be fruitful and multiply fill the earth and subdue it that was what we were supposed to do different groups moved to different areas and so as that happened you have the creation of the different races as they exist today Okay, so in their way of thinking, again, there's one species and there are different races. So, you know, that's, this is how they think in terms of things and that God created these races and he, he, he does not want them messed with is a, b- a good way to put it. So on to the next question. Which almost is going to, well, man, you talk about white Christian nationalism putting forth these ideas. You can kind of see where this would lead to, right? It's like, I, you, I don't want to have to say, you, you could probably figure out how messed up this could get and how utterly racist it could get. I mean, this is like frightening stuff. This is frightening stuff, but this stuff comes in. See, they're not coming out sounding like, you know, I mean, it, this is horrible to listen to. It's dark, it's twisted, but it, it's not like, hey, we're racist and come to the KKK meeting. It's, it's trying to, it's using scripture. It's using, it's trying to sound biblical. It's trying to sound theological. And well, let's just see where they're going to, they're going to end up at the Tower of Babel. And yeah, here we go. Watch what they do here. Quote, and uh, you'll note that I have to kind of manually enter in the uh, the, the coordinates here uh, so that we can listen to it. But the next quote is kind of building off of the same idea that uh, races are subspecies. This is how they see it, subspecies of the one species, the human, the homo sapien. And we can say that a chihuahua and a healer are subspecies. We're terrified to say that human races are subspecies. We completely preclude the idea of subspecies when talking about human beings, in part because of the implications. Does it mean that an African somehow has a different 
degree of value than a European or an Asian? That's a moral question. And the answer before God is no. Okay, nobody, note the qualifier. So the question is, does a European have more value than an African? Before God, no. That's an important qualifier, because as you see, as their ideology develops, we're down at the bottom level at this point, working with foundational concept. These are initial premises uh, that uh, when we get to a more fully developed ideology on their part, one could argue is that the, that they do not have a high value uh, view of anybody who isn't white European. We continue. That's never going to be an argument you're going to hear from either of us. Jesus died for all homo sapiens. Jesus died for every descendant of Adam. That's all of us, regardless of any of these differences that we're talking about in these episodes. We will never make any argument that says, well, this man is different than from this man. Therefore, God cares about this man and doesn't care about this man. That's absolutely the polar opposite of why we're talking about it in the first place. We're talking about it. See, so on one hand, that would almost like make you go, oh, okay. So see, they believe God loves everyone. Okay, but then why are they saying that there's like subspecies of humans? Like you've got the human species and you've got subspecies. All right, so why are we going to break everyone down into subspecies? Well, before God, it doesn't matter. Okay, that's their qualifier. Well, what does that mean though? Where are they taking this? It's a little concerning. Let, let's see. Let's see. Because Satan is using this as a wedge to divide Christ's church and to divide all of humanity in ways that are unnatural. Satan is using the denial of race to divide humanity in ways that are, quote, unnatural. Keep those thoughts in mind because, again, and again, that's the go-to thing in the Christian world. Just blame Satan. Like if you can, if you can attach Satan to anything, you can condemn it. You can make it evil. So does Satan use the idea that we're one race to divide? So we need to understand that there's sub races. Like, I, whoa, where is this going? Where is this going? How they think about these things is critical in understanding why they say the things they say, why they come to the political conclusions that they come to. We continue. Now, there are natural divisions, and that is what race is. Race is a natural division. As you look from Babel, what was the story of Babel? All right. Now, this is where we're going to note the one of the very first and primary twisting of scriptures that is an integral part of their theology, their ideology. Is Now, this is important because if this is the foundational point in their ideology of white Christian nationalism, and it starts with a twisting of the Tower of Babel, then we need to understand what that sounds like so that when we hear it, we can be like, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Even though the person speaking it may not even know that they're promoting white Christian nationalism, they may be promoting the foundational way of interpreting a text that is in line with white Christian nationalism. A twisting of what the Tower of Babel is about. Okay, so let's take a look at it real quick here in the book of Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11 says, Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had bricks for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top to the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. 
And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they still have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do, and nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language, so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. Okay, straight up. Now, note here, what's the sin? You're going to hear them say that this is the sin of one race, the human race. You're going to hear him say that the cry of Babel is one race, the human race. That is known as the Bible-twisting technique of eisegesis. Now, that's hard for me to comprehend. So the sin of Babel is that they wanted to be one race? So if we seek to say that there's just one race, the human race, that that is a sin? What? What, what was the sin of Babel? Was it them trying to be one race or them violating God's law to go forth and, and to basically, you know, spread across the earth, be fruitful, multiply and spread? They decided, nope, we're not going to go anywhere. We're going to stay here and we're going to basically exalt ourselves over God. We're going to we're going to basically become God. Was it more of a rebellion or was it that we are going to be one race? We will not allow ourselves to be broken down into different races. And God's like, yes, you will. I'm going to break you down into different races because that's the way I intended it. And so if we say there's only one race, we're vi- we're committing the sin of Babel. That is, whoa. I'm telling you, this Christian nationalism, white Christian nationalism, has got to be exposed. Reading something into the text that isn't there. And so I will note that a good resource that recently came available is from a website called Operation Valkyrie, the operation-valkyrie.blog, sorry, operation.valkyrie.group, and they have a blog. And there is an article that came out on April 19th, 2023, titled, The Sin of Babel Isn't Multiculturalism. And in this article, uh, the, they, they reproduce Martin Luther's commentary. His, Martin Luther, you know, who died long before there was Christian nationalism, uh, at least the white Christian nationalism. Uh, he doesn't see this text as having anything to do with people claiming one race, the human race. Instead, he sees this as ungodly, prideful sinners resisting God's will and attacking the church. And so we'll put a link to this down below, but you're going to note that if you turn this into a the Tower of Babel into a story whereby you basically then read into it. Whenever anyone says one race, the human race, they are engaging in the sin of Babel. That person is twisting the Bible. And I will note, this is a core foundational text for white Christian nationalists like Mahler and Woe. And they twist it. They twist its meaning and its sin, and they pull out references to Babel with frequency throughout their podcast episodes that basically say, anybody who says one race, the human race, they're taking us back to Babel. It's a sin against God and all this kind of stuff. You'll note that humanity after the flood was commanded by God to, you know, to multiply and to fill the earth. They were defying God's command to fill the earth. By the way, races are not the result of sin. <laughs> okay, a good way to think about it is that Adam and Eve had all the genetic variations possible to make up the different ethnicities of humanity today. It, it, it was all there in the in the DNA of Adam and Eve, and obviously it was present in Noah's family as well, because that that that's a, that then bears out that their their children and their children's children, children's children, as they then were spread across the face of the earth, 
forced by God who changed their languages, you'll note that the the the, the genetic I, I don't want to say mutations because mutations has a negative connotation to it, but the, uh, the, the 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 genetic changes that resulted in Europeans having white skin, which was a necessity for you know it was it was you kind of think of it, it was an advantage if you're living in northern climes as opposed to people who are living in sub-Saharan Africa having way darker skin. That's that that by the way genetically is is an absolute advantage for them living in sub-Saharan Africa. So you'll note that the, the, basically what happens is, is that the differences that we see in ethnicities today is a result of genetic variation through uh, limited gene pools that uh, people you know breed with each other within those limited gene pools. But at no point is, is race even mentioned in the story of the Tower of Babel. So when somebody says one race, the human race, that is not automatically or even remotely invoking some kind of a sin that is being dealt with by God at the Tower of Babel. These guys are twisting the scripture. In fact, I would note something here. What they're really getting after, and this will be a um, this will be a, a you know kind of a teaser as to where this is all going to go. What they're really going after is the concept known as egalitarianism. Now, I got to make a note here. I'm talking about political egalitarianism because egalitarianism within the church has clearly brought us women pastors which scripture forbids but when we talk about legal egalitarianism and egalitarianism in the realm of civic justice listen to what the basic concept is behind it okay so uh, egalitarianism is a school of thought with within political f- philosophy that builds on the concept of social equality prioritizing it for all people. Egalitarian doctrines are generally characterized by the idea that all humans are equal in fundamental worth or moral status. Egalitarianism is the doctrine that all citizens of a state should be accorded exactly equal rights. Egalitarian doctrines have motivated many modern social movements and ideas, including the Enlightenment, feminism, civil rights, international human rights, and things like this. Now, I'm not, I'm in no way praising feminism. I I would think that this is a perversion of that. But the basic idea is this, is that within the United States and many Western nations now, or I should say many Western democracies or even uh, mon- you know, constitutional monarchies. It, 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 it doesn't matter what their, what their stripe of government, governance is. The basic idea is, is that your ethnic origin doesn't ever give you um, a preferential legal standing before the civil government so that everybody has equal rights before the law, before the government. What's crazy, if you talk about some of this social equality, this social social justice, you'll be immediately condemned as being woke and a liberal and you'll have conservative Christians almost condemn you. Because they're almost arguing for a Christian nationalistic, white Christian nationalistic approach to the subject. That's a problem. Okay, you know, the right to life, to, you know, happiness, you know, the, the right to bear arms, the right to uh, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, things like this. Okay, so, you know, that and that you don't, the government doesn't sit there and go, okay, you group over here, you who are our descendants from children from Europe, uh, you get preferential treatment while you who over here, who are children uh, from descendants of, of those who come from Africa, a different ethnicity, you do not get a preferential, you do not get equal rights with the Europeans, you get lesser rights, okay? The idea behind egalitarianism is before the law, your race, your religion, your gender, that before the law 
is that nobody has preferential treatment. That's concept behind egalitarianism. So if you were to go back into the history of the United States, by the way, this is a very famous photo by Robert Frank, a very famous photographer. Uh, He made a trip through the United States, and this was a photograph shot in the the South back in the 50s of a bus. And what do you see on the bus? Well, you see people who have an African ethnicity, They are descendants of those from Africa. They are sitting at the back of the bus. Whereas those who have an ethnicity from those who come from European uh, countries, they they get to sit at the front of the bus, right? This is an an example of not egalitarianism, legal egalitarianism, but something completely different. And I will note that the white Christian nationalists are arguing for a return to segregation, okay? So when they hear there's one race, the human race, what they're trying to do is create a false biblical argument that this is, that this is contrary to Scripture, that you cannot treat legally all races of humanity the same. They are not equal. They should be treated differently. That's their argument. And they argue that it is contrary to submission to Christ to believe otherwise. Okay. And so. Absolutely crazy. Now, that is debunking white white Christian nationalism part one from fighting for the faith. Please go to uh, theologycentral.net theologycentral.net go to the blog and there it is it's embedded you can listen to it there or you can look for debunking white christian nationalism fighting for the faith on the rumble platform and you can find it that way the podcast good luck finding it i don't even know what you i don't know if you look for fighting for the faith pirated christian radio i don't even know how to find it um I, I would not even try to do that. The f- easiest way to just find it is go to theologycentral.net, go to the blog section. There it is. You can fast forward that. I don't know how far we've we've gone into it, but you can fast forward and find out where we stopped. I'm sorry, I should have marked it down. And you can pick it up there and listen to the rest of it. There's a lot to go because it's like an hour and 30 minutes long. We only We only probably reviewed 15 or 20 minutes of it. Please. Apologize there. Had to cough. Please go listen to it. Please go listen to it. I was trying to mute all the mics before I started coughing. I'm like, I could not mute all of them. So I'm sorry. But I think I muted enough of them. But um, please go listen to it because, yes, the um, white Christian nationalism is it's, it's, it's evil. It's, it's, it's got to be dealt with. It's got to be exposed. And they, they – but I just want you to realize they're using scripture. They're using the Bible. And I know for some Christians that doesn't bother you. It's like, well, they're just using it wrong. Yeah, but doesn't it bother you that everyone seems to be able to use the Bible to say whatever they want? Doesn't that bother you in the slightest? Doesn't that just like drive you insane? Like you would think that, no, we've got the scriptures and the scriptures should lead us to truth. But everyone takes the scriptures and just twist, 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 twist. And you can say, well, other people twist it. I don't. Are you sure you don't? So there you have it. Love to get your thoughts. Please go listen to it. Please go listen to it. That's Fighting for the Faith. Chris Rosebro, you can find that episode. Go to theologycentral.net. That's our pod page. I don't mention it most of the time. Theologycentral.net. Find the blog section. It's the first post that's there. It's the top post. It's the most recent post. Just post it. Just listen to it. And I would love, I want your feedback though. Email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. Love to get your thoughts and feedback on this. But since this morning, we couldn't find the full episode. And then when we found the full episode, I thought I was going to embed it. And well, I mean, the whole thing just kind of went wrong, but I thought we would take this time this afternoon to try to, well, fix it and add to it. So your today's focus is still Christian nationalism, white Christian nationalism. I want to point you to that resource. 
I want them to get the downloads. I want them to get the streams because they put in the work. And I want you to go listen to what they had to say in regards to it. And uh, we got to get, we got to be able to identify this and see it. And we need to be able to identify it a thousand miles away so that we can not, we cannot even get anywhere close to it. And if it infiltrates your church, you got to get out. And I would say the same thing. If your church has been politicized, you got to get out. And if it's Christian nationalism have crept in in any way, you got to get out. Sorry, you got to go. You just got to leave. Got to leave. So where do I go? I don't care. I'd rather go go meet with a bunch of atheists than I would Christian nationalists. That's it's that, that's just the way it is. I, I, I would rather do that. I'd rather go to the first church of Satan than meet with Christian nationalists. And you think that that's crazy, but I would. And Satanists don't worship Satan. They worship themselves. So just remember they use Satan as a symbol. I'm not going to get into, you know, the church of Satan. I'm not going to go through all of that. But obviously I'm, allu- I'm using, well, I actually, I'm not using much hyperbole there because I really, I'm not going to have anything to do with Christian nationalism. None, zero, none. I don't believe it's Christian. I don't believe it's biblical. I have no, I have no, I will not associate myself with it in any way, shape or form. And I don't care if that leaves me completely outside of the majority of Christianity sitting by myself on a street corner. I would rather do that. I'm not, I'm not going to participate. And I don't think anyone else should. There we go. That's going to make me popular. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Go look, theologycentral.net, blog section, Listen to the rest of what Chris Rosebro had to do. Listen to his work. Listen to his research. Listen to what he did. Listen to all the audio he plays. All right. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great day. And well, I guess I since this is a supposedly a today's focus podcast episode, well, then that was your today's focus for Thursday, April. Is it the 27th? Let me look here. That was your today's focus for Thursday, April the 27th, 20. 23.